Blessed are those who thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Welcome to the Thirsty Podcast. This is Pastor Hagen sitting in for Jeremy Morin and Michael Peterson. And you might say to yourself, but wait, I've heard these guys for like a year and a half already. And it's not Jeremy Morin and Michael Peterson. It's Pastor Jeremy Lightnin and Pastor Michael Zarling. But as you well know, um, there's always a play on words on both of their names, either a Z name or uh, on the Lightnin name. So why Jeremy Morin and Michael Peterson? Well, because they're both members of the Tampa Bay Lightning hockey organization. Jeremy Morin was a player for them, and Michael Peterson is their director of statistics. So there we are. <laughs> That's as corny as it gets here at the Raised with Jesus podcast and the Thirsty Podcast episodes hosted here. Today, we are looking a little bit at the, the scripture readings for tomorrow, which talk particularly about sight, and which talk particularly about Jesus' appearance to the, to the disciples at the Sea of Galilee. And our guest today is actually a guest interview that I had with, um, with one of the vicars who is serving in our area. A vicar is a pastoral intern, and this guy's name is Joseph Newberger. He's actually going to be preaching at Resurrection Lutheran Church here in Maumee, Toledo, uh, tomorrow. And then we're going to have potluck afterward and fried chicken and the whole bit. And one of the reasons that we're bringing him in here to preach, um, besides, you know, giving a chance to for the congregation to hear somebody else, one of the other reasons is because the vicar program is one of the things that our congregation is thinking about um, joining in with maybe as early as next year. And so Vicar Newberger and I got to chat a little bit over Zoom and we got to talk a little bit about what does what does a vicar year mean? What does it all entail? Um, a little bit about Vicar Newberger and where does he come from? He hails from Appleton, Wisconsin, which I think I had a joke or two. We, we went to the same high school just a few years apart. Anyway, here we go, Vicar Joseph Newberger. Uh, my name is Joseph Newberger. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hail from a town called Appleton, Wisconsin, which has about, well, probably about one of the highest Wells churches per capita in the country. Uh, there's, there's a Wells church just about every, on every street corner there. My home congregation is called Eternal Love on the southeast side of Appleton. Um, I grew up, I suppose, in the system. Um, I went to a Wells Lutheran grade school known as Riverview in Appleton, Wisconsin. After that, uh, I went to Fox Valley Lutheran, which is kind of the Bay Area Lutheran High School for the for that whole region. And then after that, I went to Martin Luther College in New Ulm, Minnesota. After that, I took a couple years off so I could do um, Friends of China. I went to a city called Hangzhou, which is a little uh, west of Shanghai. And then I came back to finish my schooling, did years at the seminary in Mequon, Wisconsin, and then I am currently serving as the vicar at Emanuel Lutheran Church in Finley, Ohio. That's wonderful, and uh, as another <laughs> Appleton native and um, graduate of Fox Valley, but I think a few years before you, um, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. I think there are more Wells churches than McDonald's in the Appleton area. Would not surprise me. <laughs> That's saying a lot. <laughs> so you had you had been over in China for a while. Um, how long were you over there, and um, what did your duties entail over there? Well, I was over there for two years. Um, I wasn't sure that I was going to do two years over there. One of the original reasons that I went over was um, I was engaged to a girl that I met from MLC, but she was a year behind me. 
I knew that I wanted to go to the seminary, obviously. So I basically had a year to kill. Um, and I thought, what better way to do that than or to kill a year than do a little bit of mission work? So this was an opportunity that uh, had been advertised to us a little bit at MLC. And I wanted to do a little bit more investigating since I, I knew a little bit of Chinese. Um, at, at Fox Valley Lutheran, actually, there was an opportunity for students to uh, take private lessons to learn a little bit of Mandarin. So I, I, I did that and then uh, pursued a little bit more uh, at, at Martin Luther College. So I thought this would be a, a cool opportunity for a number of reasons. And obviously, I, I thought this would be a great, a great chance to get my feet wet and uh, do a little bit of actual evangelism in, in another country. For all those reasons, um, I went over uh, to to China. They sent me to a city called Hangzhou, which is about the same size as New York City. It's it's pretty big, um, and it was amazing. Uh, it was the one of the most awesome experiences of my whole life. Um, just the the people, the the culture, the the you know the whole the whole shebang was was almost impossible to describe but i'll i'll do my best um just as a you, you know just to get a little taste of it um so like it's a it's a huge city like i mentioned um, the the general kind of layout of a lot of these big cities is is you have these enormous concrete skyscrapers but you kind of forget about that because on the ground level it's full of uh, shops and colors and restaurants and people and it's very vibrant and, and lively and there's always people and always music on the street and and it's it's just it's a very lively happy place and it was it was full of of just life and and, and really that's that's where the gospel thrives is where there's lots and lots of people and 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 these people really were crying out for the gospel. And it was a great opportunity for us to, to go over there. I was, my, my duties, as you, you asked me to tell you a little bit about that. So my duties, um, most of the, most of my duties revolved around my uh, work with a lot of my students. So ostensibly, I was going over there as a teacher, as an English teacher. And so they hooked me up with a job at a place called Hangzhou Normal University, which is where they taught teachers how to be teachers. So my students were mostly um, prospective English teachers. So a lot of them knew English already, and this was an opportunity for us to kind of practice and get to know each other. A lot of these people were, were Americanophiles, Anglophiles, they, they loved foreign culture, and, and having a, a foreigner come to them and, and talk with them was like a dream come true for a lot of them. So it was very easy for us to make inroads and to develop friendships. The reason our program was called Friends of China um, is because we thought friendship evangelism is just the way to go. Like talking with people, making friendships, and then like having enough uh, rapport, developing that that respect and relationship is the best way to share the gospel with people. So in a, a lot of my um, evangelism prospects were my students or students of my, my friends who were going over as well. Um, just about every day of the week, we had some kind of... Uh, gathering, whether it was a, a Bible study, whether it was like, just come over to our house and hang out for a while. Um, the whole point of our being there was old relationships and using those relationships to, to share the gospel. And and that was kind of the whole gist of our, our, um, our mission over there. So I did that for a year. Um, after that, I was like, so pumped about it. And so um, kind of like, 
ingrate like I was ingratiated in the whole of the whole thing at that point. And and I had made so many relationships, I kind of didn't want to give up on him in, in just a year. I thought that would be almost like sacrilege to kind of like, you know, it would it would be like ripping off a band-aid a little too soon. So I decided I wanted to do a second year. And then my my wife, um, who, you know, because we had gotten married between years one and two, decided that we decided that it would be awesome for us to do it together. So she came over with me the second year, um, and she had a blast too. It was it was just a wonderful, wonderful experience and a great great first year of marriage all around. Yeah, I'd say that sounds. I mean, that's really exciting to um, to live in a foreign country and also to be involved in mission work there. And so, um, not not entirely disconnected from the culture that you grew up in. But you are, you know, thoroughly immersed in this in this culture that's very different from yours. That's that's fantastic. I I actually didn't know about that. Didn't know that about you before we got on the Zoom call today. <laughs> wow, that's cool. So then, um, so then the way our system works, and this is one of the things that you know I wanted to talk about, and then you can fill in a little bit more, especially about Vicar Year, is that um, you typically after graduating from one of our prep schools or area Lutheran high schools like the superior institution known as Fox Valley Lutheran High School, um, especially class of 2003, <laughs> no offense. Um, then, you, then you've got four years at Martin Luther College in New Ulm. And during those four, four years, the pastoral students have four years of Greek and two years of Hebrew, graduate with a Bachelor of Arts, hopefully a well-rounded education. Um, and then either maybe they take some time off, go to China for a while, <laughs> or get married or whatever the case may be. But then after that, then we have four years of seminary training and it starts out as um, two years on campus where you get to apply the languages that you've learned in thorough study of, of Old and New Testament. Um, and then the third of those four years is serving at a congregation as a vicar. And in that sense, um, Pastor or Vicar Newberger was called to serve um, alongside Pastor Bob Kruger. And in and the seminary actually considers him like an adjunct professor um, in, in that capacity as a supervising pastor. And then after the vicar year, then the student goes back to our seminary for one more year. Um, so I guess with, with that kind of background, especially for our listeners, um, about vicar year, what kind of, what did you expect coming into it? And um, what, how has it kind of been either more or less than your expectations? Yeah, so... The first thing I'll say is that vicar year is kind of daunting um, for a lot of people because at this point in a student's career, if you're a prospective minister of the gospel, you've been in school for six years. You know, you've you've been sitting behind a, a desk, listening to people, um, being inspired. Um, you know, studying the languages, kind of like. Uh, you know, putting your shoulder to the plow and, and really studying and, and, and figuring out um, what it means to be a pastor and, and whether or not I want to do this work. And then you get vicar year, which is kind of like, it's it seems like the crest of the hill, where which is like, it's kind of trial by fire. Now, okay, so you've learned all these things. Now go, now go put them into practice, you know, go, go do them. Um, and for a lot of, for a lot of vicars, it's kind of daunting because, um, because, it's like, boy, if I don't like vicar year, and then it's almost like those last six years of my life, it's like, what was I, what was I doing? Um, so, so vicar year can be kind of daunting for that, for that reason. It's also, of course, just intimidating because, you know, who, who, 
who dares to to go in front of other people and and be a minister of the Lord? Who 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 dares to work with the Word of God? Um, who who dares to trifle with with those kinds of things? Um, so for that reason, it's daunting. Um, it, you're also very young. You're inexperienced. Um, you feel like there's so much more to learn, despite the fact that you've had six years of education. It's like, that's not enough. And, and there's like all these reasons that Vicar Year becomes kind of intimidating. So when you actually get out there, um, th when you actually get out there, uh, I think every Vicar's experience is obviously quite, quite different, but I, I'll speak to my own. Um, Vicar Year so far has been a wonderful um, reminder of God's grace, and it's been a wonderful reminder of the the blessings of the community and, and of and family of believers. And it's been a wonderful reminder of the uh, kind of efficacy and and I'll say power of our education system and the way that we have things set up. So I'll, I'll kind of run through each one of those things. First of all, it's been it's been a wonderful testament to the grace of God because um, it's it's only by God's grace that I have any confidence to, to go before other people and, 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 you know, preach the word of God to them, uh, to, to look at what God says in his word and then, and then tell other people, the gospel and, and the law and, and to be able to work with that, to that, with that word, um, is a daunting thing that no one is competent on their own to, to work with, but, but God in his grace makes you competent. And, and we thank God for that. Secondly, then, um, I'm I have been blown away by the by the love of God's people and by the just overwhelming support for the ministry that I have experienced here at Emmanuel, at least. And I, I know that a lot of my my classmates will say the same thing about their own congregations. Um, it's it's just a wonderful thing to see um, God's people loving the Word of God and loving. Um, loving those who love the word of God. It's just a really awesome, awesome support network. Um, and then finally, you mentioned that the, the we call them the bishop, the, the pastor that I'm, I work under. Um, that's the word we use in our synod. The, our, our bishop is kind of an adjunct professor of the seminary. Um, he has been just a wealth of support, information, encouragement, um, a wealth of, of, of teaching and instruction, um, and, and admonishment. It's just been a wonderful experience. One of the things that I love about our system is that the because we spend so much time in school in, at, at MLC and in, at the seminary, the professors and the faculty get to know us individually really well. You know, our classes aren't big. Uh, my class is, is actually fairly large at, at, a, at around 40, um, and, and most of them are, are between 20 and 30. Um, so there aren't that many of them, and and the faculty gets to know us really well. So when they assign us to a congregation to go out and vicar, um, really what they're doing is they're assigning us to a bishop. They're assigning us to someone who 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 will uh, temper us uh, and refine us like gold, uh, and who will do that well. And they know the pastors well enough to do that, and they know us well enough to do that. And it's just a wonderful system that we set up. And I'm very very thankful uh, that this is the way we do it. So it's all overall, for those reasons, Vicar Year has been um, more than meeting my expectations, I'd say. It's, it has been daunting. It has been challenging. But it's also been tremendously rewarding. And it's been um, amazing to see 
God's grace and the love of God's people. That's wonderful. And, uh, and I think you'd be, you'd be correct in saying that, um, thankfully, that is also the experience of most of our vicars as they serve in different areas as well, that they just kind of come away with a recognition that, hey, here's what, here's what God let me do for the last year. And, uh, or, you know, this was really cool. This was a lot of fun. And, um, and having that privileged place in a person's life where you get to be the one to, to bring them comfort from the word of God, or where you're the one who maybe has to, you know, admonish and, uh, and bring some correction from the word of God. Um, that brings with it, obviously it's a very humbling experience. Um, but that brings with it a lot of, a lot of joy that you, <laughs> you'd be hard pressed to find anywhere else. Well, that's wonderful. I think, um, yeah, we're going to have you, you here at Resurrection on Sunday, uh, tomorrow, if you're listening to this on Publication Day. And then after the service, we're going to have a potluck, and um, for, including some fried chicken from one of the local establishments. And we'll probably give you a few minutes at, at the end of the service to talk about Vicar Year and what that means, because I think that's one of the things that we're considering at Resurrection as we talk about you know, what's the next stage in ministry together. Um, and so I guess together, together with that, compared to the beginning of the year um, to from the beginning of the year till now, um, can you think of any, you know, substantive changes either in, you know, the ease and the comfort with specific skills or um, even personal growth that, uh, that you've seen happen or that you've heard others talk about um, things that you grow in or things that became easier, I guess. Boy, it's hard to say what hasn't. Um, you know, they say, you know, repetition is the mother of learning and, and uh, being able to do things just like actually put what you've learned into practice is, is like the best way to learn. Um, and so, you know, you talk about everything that a, a, a pastor does, um, coming to people with the gospel and encouraging them with the, with the gospel and bringing comfort to them with the gospel. It's like, that can be a daunting thing if you've never done it before. Um, and that can be, that can be something where you, you almost kind of trip over yourself and you don't really know what you're doing because you feel like you're in, 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 incompetent or underqualified or this, that, or the other thing. But Vicar Year gives you an opportunity to, to do that, um, over and over again. Um, and, and it over and over again, the Holy Spirit reinforces your abilities and, and allows you to, uh, realize that yes I, I am making you competent um, you are you are uh, you know a, a jar of clay with the with the treasure uh, with the treasure inside and you can give that treasure to other people um, that's just a it's just been a wonderful thing to be able to do this over and over again and be continually assured of, of, of God's grace in that way and similarly like you mentioned admonishment maybe even more daunting for a lot of people how can I how can I tell someone you know the law of God um, Am I going to be, you know, rejected, or what are people going to think about me, or or this, that, or the other thing? But again, the, the more you, the more you're uh, privileged to do that, um, the the easier it does become, and the more you realize that God is is with you even then. Uh, you can talk about practical things like preaching skill. Um, I think I've I've you know before before you go to vicar year, you will have preached four sermons, I think, and none of them will be particularly good because, you know, your first sermons aren't that great. Um, so, so 
the more you preach and just the more you have opportunity to preach, I think I've done a little over a dozen or so at this point. Um, it's usually one one every two or three weeks at, uh, at, at my congregation. Every vicar's year is a little bit different, of course, but but that's been awesome. Um, it's been great to, to practice that and to practice um, getting the gospel and, and getting the law out of every specific text and making specific applications to people's lives. And that's been great. You talk about, you know, writing and leading a Bible study. Um, I can tell you, we have an education at the, uh, an education class at the seminary where they teach you kind of the basics of how to write a Bible study and how to, how to do all this and, you know, how to make people care about what you're talking about. And it was, it was great. And, you know, we went through a catechism class and the whole shebang, but, but the more you do it, the more practice you have with it. And, and the more you figure out your own kind of teaching style and, and what you enjoy and what your people enjoy that's just it's a tremendous boon i had a my, one of my professors at the seminary professor tom Cuck, would always say um you know you really ought to uh, know and smell like your sheep um you gotta really tailor your stuff to their situation and the longer you're here um the more you get an appreciation for how true that is definitely definitely well thank you very much and um i guess we'll well, we're about wrapping up here, um, but did you have any other closing comments, questions, or uh, suggestions, especially for those who might be considering the ministry or um, know somebody that should consider the ministry? I guess I would just say um, it's a wonderful thing. You know, the, uh, Paul says whoever, whoever desires um, to be an overseer desires a, a noble calling. Um, and, it, and it really is, you know, every day I'm, I'm so, so thankful that I get to be um, working with the word of God. Like people have called me to work with the word of God and to administer the sacraments and, and to care about them. And, and like, that's my job description is to pray for people. Um, it's like, it's like, I, I can't even imagine um, a more enjoyable thing to be doing on a daily basis than being in God's word and then taking that word to uh, my brothers and sisters in Christ, like you said, to be a comfort to them, the gospel, to admonish people with the law, um, to to share with others the love of Christ um, for the for the hundred, for the thousandth time, um, because every time um, it means so much. and. It means so much to me personally um, as I'm, you know, working with God's word and then being able to share it with people, um, whether it's in the pew, whether it's in somebody's home, whether it's on the street. Um, it's just it's just a beautiful and, and wonderful and compelling thing. Um, so if, if anyone is considering the ministry efforts um, as a teacher, being able to to share the word of God with with a student, whether it's as a, as a staff minister, being able to, to share the word of God in some very dedicated, specific ways, or whether it's as a as a pastor um, being called to um, administer the sacraments and to to pray for people and to be in in God's word um, devotionally, I, I, whatever it might be, um, I I strongly encourage you to to pursue that, um, to talk to the people in your life to. Um, to, to chase it down because it, it really is a beautiful and encouraging and rewarding ministry.
All right. Thank you very much to Vicar Newberger for his time. And um, obviously, this is one of the things that struck me about that interview. And maybe it caught your attention also. Um, I've interviewed probably, you know, probably around a dozen people now for the podcast over the past few years. And they are all passionate in their own way about um, about the area of ministry that they are involved in, or about the topics that they were interviewed about, um, because they happen to be, you know, what I consider to be subject matter experts on the topic. But Vicar Newberger is the first one that I've interviewed, the per- first person I've interviewed specifically for his experience in our educational system, and he brings. He brings a, a level of zeal and excitement that that just shines through. He apologized afterward for for talking so much, and I said, "No, it was interesting to me." And I'm sure, I'm sure, especially if um, people are less familiar with our educational system for our pastors, it was very enlightening and very eye-opening to to see the level of scholarship that is demanded from our pastors, as well as the practical experience out in a congregation. Um, and so in a congregation, the primary purpose of the vicar program is to provide training for the vicar, not to provide assistance to the local ministry. Um, that is a secondary or perhaps a tertiary goal. But the primary purpose is to pro- provide training for the vicar. And then hopefully in the course of that training, um, the, the, the young man in- continues to grow in his abilities and his knowledge and his skill and his applications so that he is able to take on and try out various forms and elements of the ministry um, between you know writing your first sermon or maybe a four or five sermons in the hopper so to speak before you go out on vicar year and then during vicar year you write another 12 to 15 new sermons and it's that sort of training along with you know becoming a member of the congregation being a member of their worship life going along to hospital visits or being there when tragedy strikes um, and just seeing what it looks like to pastor, to be a pastor to a group of people. I think that was one of the things that he alluded to when he said, you know, that the shepherd ought to smell like the sheep. And what he meant was that the word pastor is actually a Latin word that means shepherd. And that is the, that's the picture, that's the image that we have for our pastoral ministry to work as a shepherd under the good shepherd Jesus, which we will talk about actually next Sunday um, when we look at John chapter 10 in particular. And the idea that the shepherd of God's people spends time with God's people to understand their particular circumstances and to bring to them the particular message that they need to hear. And you might notice that that's an intimidating thing, especially um, especially vicar year or when a person is new to an area, but kind of growing confidence and understanding over time. And so with that, um, talking about our readings for this coming Sunday, all three of our readings this Sunday focus on the idea of sight, focus on the idea of, of vision, that sight continues to march victoriously over blindness. And we aren't just talking about physical sight and physical blindness. Rather, we are talking about spiritual sight, seeing things as they really are. In our first reading, uh, during the the season of Easter, all of our first readings come from the book of Acts, the early history of God's church, which was really, you know, volume two of Luke's uh, two-part church history book, the Gospel of Luke and then the book of Acts. So our first reading from the book of Acts includes the first account of of Paul seeing Jesus on the road to Damascus and then being struck with, with blindness. And that is recounted two more times during the book of Acts as well. And the point there is that Jesus not only restored Paul's physical sight, but also gave Paul spiritual sight, which was faith in the one who had been raised from the dead. 
And then our second reading is from the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 5, where, where John records for us the spiritual vision of seeing the Lamb who was slain seated on his throne and those around him saying, Worthy is the Lamb to receive power and wisdom and glory and honor and praise, etc. Um, and then finally, our gospel reading is from John chapter 21, and we will look at this. John chapter 21, verses 1 through 14, and this is kind of the epilogue to the book of John. The close to the book of John was um, John chapter 20, verse 31. These words were written that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And then John chapter 21 is kind of like the appendix or the epilogue, and it reads like this. After this, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. This is how he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They replied, We'll go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus was standing on the shore, but the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Jesus called to them, Boys, don't you have any fish? No, they answered. He told them, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast the net out. Then they were not able to haul it in because of the large number of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard, It is the Lord, he tied his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about one hundred yards. When they stepped out on land, they saw some bread and a charcoal fire with fish on it. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you just caught. So Simon Peter climbed aboard and hauled the net to land, full of large fish, one hundred fifty-three of them. Yet with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come, eat breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took bread and gave it to them, and also the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. And so a couple of things that we notice here is that, first of all, the disciples don't recognize who it is by his appearance. Um, perhaps Jesus had hid, hidden his appearance or they're, they're 100 yards out from shore. Um, it's just a little bit more difficult to see facial features and it just looks like some guy standing on the shore asking if they caught any fish. And Jesus makes himself known by what he does, by what he accomplishes. And the miracles that he does here, it's not just a random set of miracles. It looks to me like Jesus repeats or does a bit of a reminder of various miracles that he had done during his public ministry when he was still walking about with them. First is the the call to cast your nets out on the other side. And it's a straight up reminder of when Jesus had called Peter to follow him, Peter and the others, they had been fishing all night. Jesus borrowed their boat to preach. And then he said, put out into deep water. And they caught so many fish that the boat started to sink. If you remember that, Peter certainly did. And that's when Jesus said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And the wording that he used there, the reminder that it was a different word to catch fish versus um, to catch men, so to speak. It was a different word because fish are caught for death. They are caught from being alive and brought to shore for death and for food. And the word that Jesus uses is a different word to demonstrate that, that people are caught from death for life. 
So that's the first part. So he does this miracle, and then John recognizes in verse 7 um, that it's the Lord. And so Peter jumps out into the water, and he, and he swims off, <laughs> he swims up to shore. And the other disciples come along with him. And that time Peter didn't walk on the water, but perhaps it crossed his mind. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. But then when they get to shore, Jesus already has some food there. It's the reminder that just as Jesus had provided um, food for the 5,000, food for the 4,000, here he has bread and fish for them still. It's the reminder that this Jesus still has all power and all authority. That's it. it is the exact same Jesus that had done all those miracles during his public ministry. Peter pulls the net onto the shore, and then Jesus invites them all to come down and have a meal with them. And he breaks the bread, and he distributes the food. He is the host, exactly at the as at the feeding of the 5,000, feeding of the 4,000, exactly as at um, Monday Thursday evening in the upper room when Jesus broke bread and distributed it, exactly as the road to Emmaus when he met with those disciples there. And then after being invited into their home, he was the one who turned it around to serve as host, to serve as the one who would, who would break the bread and distribute the pieces. And all of this, all of this, this reassurance, this reminder that Jesus is exactly who he said he would be, that spiritual sight is really the equivalent of faith, and that faith sees Jesus for who he is. Faith recognizes Jesus for who he is, even if he were to um, disguise his appearance as he may have here, even if he is not visibly seen as today, faith sees Jesus. And that's a reminder for you and for me. And I think together with that, um, it's also the reminder based on the, the vision that John sees from Revelation chapter 5. Uh, Revelation chapter 5 verses 11 to 14 reads like this. And I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels who were around the throne and around the living creatures and the elders. Their number was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands upon thousands. With a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. I also heard every creature that is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders bowed down and worshipped. That is the spiritual reality that John is privileged to see in this vision. And that is still the spiritual reality, the spiritual relationship that exists between Jesus and his people still today. That the lamb who is slain, the lamb who laid down his life, is the one who has conquered. And that lamb who is slain is the one who still holds all power and authority in heaven and on earth, who still restrains evil for the good of his church, who still blesses the proclamation of the gospel, whether it's on the other side of the world or in a small town near you. <laughs> this is the Jesus who still provides workers for his harvest field because the harvest still is plentiful and the workers still are few. And so as you go about your day, just take for a moment, first of all, to contemplate what it means to see life through spiritual eyes, to see life through spiritual eyes, to not get caught up in all the, the supposed winners and losers that we see on TV or in society, but to see life through spiritual eyes. That means to recognize what has value, what has lasting value, and what does not have lasting value. And also, then to look around and see the people that God has brought into your life and see them as gifts from Jesus to you. And even some of those people might 
eventually serve as a gift from Jesus also to his church at large, such as with Vicar Newberger, who will go on to um, one more year of study at the seminary and then, God willing, be called to serve a congregation somewhere for the proclamation of the gospel. For the exact same purpose that Jesus does in his gospel reading today from John chapter 21 and the exact same thing that he does in Acts chapter 9 and Revelation chapter 5 to bring spiritual sight to people who are lost, to bring spiritual sight to people who are blind. Thanks so much for joining us here at the Thirsty Podcast. This is Pastor Hagen sitting in for both Jeremy Morin and Michael Peterson of the Tampa Bay Lightning. And we're going to close out today with a rendition of from Handel's Messiah, the chorus, Worthy is the Lamb. God bless your day.